This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. It's Wednesday, which means it's time for Chip Chat with journalist Chip Gibbons. Hey, Chip. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. So this is... uh, one of the few editions of Chip Chat where the people listening at home know more than we do, know more than you do, Chip. Well, they possibly frequently know more than we do, but 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 well, yes. Well, not on the topic that we're discussing, or at least the topic adjacent to what we're discussing. We're going to be talking, um, as of recording right now, we do not know who Joe Biden's VP pick is. It, the, the choice is imminent. We are recording this late Tuesday afternoon, so we do not know who the pick is, but I'm assuming that when this comes out Wednesday, we will know who the pick is, although the topic of our discussion of Chip Chat this week is on one particular candidate who has just been confirmed to not be the VP pick, and that is Karen Bass. Yes, my very timely Jacobin article defending her from red baiting must have been seen by the Biden campaign. They're like, nope, nope, nope. If uh, Chip Gibbons approves of this, we are we are definitely pulling the plug. Yes, it was it was obviously more than likely your article that did it rather than the video of her addressing the Church of Scientology. Playing the music in the background of that video. I know the comments are what's disturbing, but the music in the background of that video is just so bizarre to me. You're not familiar with hype music, huh? I guess I thought I was familiar with hype music, and if that is hype music, then I guess I don't know what hype music is. <laughs> well, but this is what we're discussing, though, and that is the attacks that we've seen on Karen Bass. I mean, there's been a lot of names thrown out for Joe Biden's potential VP pick, but only one person seemed to have an avalanche of oppo research dumped on them over the last few weeks, and that was Bass, and you decided to write about it in Jacobin this week. Yeah, I did. Uh, And to be clear, you know, I decided to write about this not because I was endorsing Bass for VP or because I'm endorsing Biden for president, but because a certain... um, line of attack against her has been to sort of pull out this sort of old school red baiting McCarthyite attacks. And as frequent listeners of Chip Chat may know, I'm not a big fan of McCarthyism. And I think whenever these types of attacks are made, uh, regardless of who they're made about, you know, they are an existential threat to the left to have someone say, oh, you were speaker of the California State Assembly. You have all these sorts of um, fairly high-ranking subcommittee chairs in the House, but because, you know, you hung out with leftist ones, you know, you you can't be vice president, I think we have to resist those types of attacks. And I also just think the discussion about Bass, particularly around Cuba, has just been so, so infuriating and just such a, a, a absurd double standard, right? And, you know, Bass has been to Cuba a, a number of times, uh, she first went when she was 19 as part of a, a leftist group that was formed by Students for Democratic Society that went to pick sugarcane, build houses, etc. And the media just went ballistic over this fact. And, you know, I, I believe I pointed this out when Sanders was under the same line of, of attack, but it's really something in this country that, you know, if you have anything nice to say about Cuba, even if like Sanders, even if like Bass, 
you have plenty of critical things to say about Cuba, but you have some some nice things to say about their objectively uh, praiseworthy accomplishments in in medicine, in education, in literacy. Then you know that just means you have to be banished from civil society. But you can have business ties with Saudi Arabia, a country that is one of the most repressive regimes on earth that is involved in this brutal war in Yemen that, that some have, have said constitutes a, a genocide and is responsible for, for terrorism all over the world. And there exist, you know, fairly credible accusations that parts of the Saudi regime may have given indirect support to, to the 9-11 attacks. Uh, but, you know, everyone, everyone loves Saudi Arabia and Washington, D.C., everyone in both parties and all the think tanks and all the three letter agencies. Everyone loves Saudi Arabia and can't stop, you know, showering them with arms to go blow up more Yemeni school buses. But if you say a country that has, you know, thrown off a brutal, corrupt U.S. backed dictator and has given health care to its people, you know, maybe that's that's a good thing. You know, you just you're just banished from public life, and it's just one of the <clears throat> one of the more egregious criticisms uh, was from someone in the Washington Post. Mm -hmm. uh, I think his name was Henry Olson, who said that uh, for, yes. for someone on the left to praise Cuba is uh, like the equivalent of someone on the right praising uh, apartheid right. South Africa. And that's ridiculous for uh, numerous reasons, as you explain in the article. Uh, one of them, which you don't mention, is that Cuba fought apartheid. No, I mentioned South that. Africa. Oh, you did mention that. No, I I'm mentioned sorry. that, yeah. Anyway. Somebody didn't do their homework. I read it. I just didn't take notes. <laughs> Chip. Upon uh, being released from Robben Islands, Nelson Mandela made his first international visit to Fidel Castro, who he thanked profusely for his support. Indeed. Yeah, no, no. Uh, my bad for really grotesque things about that article. The entire premise of it is that it's actually Bass who is the beneficiary of a double standard, not the victim of it, because if perham a GOP congressman as a youth had praised uh, South African apartheid, they would not be vetted. Uh, Dick Cheney was not very youthful in the 80s. I don't know if Dick Cheney was ever truly youthful. Um, but in the 80s, as a member of Congress, he voted against uh, or voted against a symbolic resolution calling for Nelson Mandela to be freed. And, you know, the right in both the U.S. and the U.K. were very against the African National Congress. Uh, they used red baiting and anti-communism to, to achieve this. Uh, and even for a while, some liberal groups, I think, were sort of at odds with the ANC or like, oh, Nelson Mandela is not doing enough to renounce communism. That's a real problem and a struggle against apartheid. And it's like, get, go, get lost. Um, so you have the fact that, you know, it is morally obscene to compare Cuba to an apartheid state. You know, whatever you think about the lack of political freedom there, and that's fine. I think you can make criticisms of that. But to compare a society that toppled a corrupt, unequal dictatorship and has made serious gains in healthcare, serious gains in literacy, 
is sending doctors around the world right now to fight the coronavirus and which helped defeat apartheid. To compare that to a white supremacist apartheid state is nauseating. And it's, it's also just historically illiterate because nobody suffered any political cost for supporting apartheid. And their main, you know, bludgeon for doing so was anti-communism the very thing that author is invoking? So it's a fantastically historically illiterate piece. I am, I am, I am amazed by how any one piece can, in such a short span, with such a basic claim, can just engage in so much historical illiteracy. But you know, life is filled with amazement, Sam. Well, the explanation is that <clears throat> is the same reason why this stuff is bad is because that uh, anti-communism uh, has be become such a, a, a rabid anti-communism has become such a, a powerful strain in US politics that the Overton window has shifted so far to the right, which is what people are uh, trying to preserve uh, in, in the, their uh, attacking of Bass, as you point out. Yeah, I mean, there's always been very limited political discourse in the United States, but with sort of the fact that Sanders was able to get millions of votes in two primary cycles with first, you know, Occupy Wall Street and the first uh, uprisings around Ferguson and now the national uprising in response to the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, the growth of socialist organizations like Democratic Socialists of America, some smaller ones, right? The Overton window is is shifting in a way that a lot of people are uncomfortable with. Um, and so while you'll always see the Republicans go to attack for anyone, whether it's Hillary Clinton or Obama, is you're a communist. You know, there are people right now who are very afraid that there is some rising left wing movement in this country. And if they can say, you know, Karen Bass is outside the acceptable realm of discourse, then, you know, all of those people who are backing Sanders, who are backing DSA, who are taking part in the uprising, you know, they have no place in our body politique. And, and this has just gone on for years where there are millions of Americans. You don't see them at the inside the beltway think tanks. They don't get invited on the Sunday talk shows with the chattering classes. But they're, they're, they're sick of this sort of, you know, never ending rule by corporations. They're sick of our foreign policy, which has us always blowing apart some small, poor country elsewhere. While we don't have money for health care, we don't have money for, for jobs. There are people in this country who can't afford insulin, but we have money to send to Saudi Arabia to murder Yemeni children, right? And every four years, they're told to sit down, shut up, and vote for someone who literally despises them and their beliefs. And I think there's some cracks in that happening right now. Um, what will come of it, I don't know. I mean... I, there's always cause for optimism. There's always cause for pessimism. I, I do think the left is in the strongest position it's been in my lifetime. I've, I've been very, you know, sort of continuously inspired over the last half decade or so. But, you know, it's also worth pointing out that, you know, the 1930s gave way to McCarthyism, the 60s gave way to Reaganism. Um, you know, the battle isn't ever won until it's won. One of the things that bothers me is that these leaks against Bass, this attack against Bass, clearly came from the Democratic wing. I don't see why Republicans would be leaking opposition research on someone who hasn't been a candidate named 
a VP yet. It seems like they would wait until that person's actually been named. So it's either A, coming from other people who wanted to be VP, or B, maybe it's a trial balloon coming from the Biden campaign to see what the reaction would be to these. I, I'm guessing it's not really a trial balloon since we know that Bass is not going to be the pick. Um, and they're essentially the same exact attacks that were used against Obama when he was trying to uh, improve relations with Cuba. So now that the now you have so you have Democrats basically recycling the attacks that were used against the figurehead of their own party to attack a potential VP nominee for Joe Biden, who served as the VP to that candidate. I mean, Karen Bass went with John Kerry to Cuba as part of an official Obama effort, as sort of a uh, normalizing relations with Cuba, which is one of the only good things Obama did. I, I didn't think it went far enough, but it was certainly uh, better than the alternative. So yeah, I don't I don't know. And the thing about once the attacks come from her own party is, you know, Karen Bass responded with, you know, the Republicans have called me communist Karen. Uh, don't listen to the GOP lies. And you get people writing these sorts of swarmy columns like, oh, Karen Bass says don't listen to the Republican lies, but her own party is concerned. And like all of the media coverage of it adopted this very sort of concern trolling uh, tone like, did you know Karen Bass has ties to Cuba? That seems like something that will sink her career. And then, you know, interview some sort of Democratic strategist who's an expert on like outreach to Cuban emergés and be like, well, that's the end of the Biden campaign if they pick her. And, and, and no other perspectives, no mention of the fact that 60% of Americans support normalizing relations with Cuba. No, no mention of the fact that the Chamber of Commerce is opposed to, to the embargo on Cuba, right? It's not just people on the left who oppose this policy. It is a failed policy from, from the standpoint of most establishment figures. Uh, it's it's not a popular policy, and yet we're stuck with it. And if you you know criticize it, you can't be vice president. The other things she got in trouble for were increasingly ridiculous. One was that she entered a, a eulogy for a local activist who was a member of the Communist Party, and they interviewed some sort of local city official. Was like, well, you know, a lot of people in the '70s who were against desegregation were quite radical and political. Gave sort of well, maybe that's true in California but not elsewhere, you know, line. But but it, it's true, it's true everywhere, right? I mean, communists, socialists, Trotskyists, various left groups have always been at the forefront of the various movements to make us a more democratic society, to, to make us a more humane place to live. You know, the communists went down to the South in the 1930s when no one else would and struggled against lynching and apartheid to free the Scottsboro boys to, to um, organize sharecroppers. Right. And and we're never allowed to have a conversation about our own history in this country because there's this hysterical anti-communism that prevents it from happening. Right. Maybe a, a, a responsible media would have said, huh, it's interesting that Karen Bass says she's not a communist, not a socialist. And I, I, I believe her. But, you know, because of the way of radical politics were, or as someone who was organizing against police brutality and stuff, you know, she was in contact with communists and sort of go back and look at the way that radical movements have contributed to our democracy and having a nuanced discussion there. And, and that's just, you know, not on the table. The other thing, the latest 
quote-unquote scandal yesterday was that she spoke at socialist forums, including the Socialist Scholars Conference in 1984, which later became Left Forum. You know, I've spoken at Left Forum a bunch. I guess that's why I didn't get put on the vice presidential shortlist for Joseph Biden. Uh, and then she also spoke at an event in the 90s sponsored by Democratic Socialists of America. Oh, oh, the horror. I, it, it was just so pathetic. And it, it, it seems really desperate. But as always, this red baiting is aided and abetted by our corporate media. Chip, uh, we have some breaking news, actually. Oh, Joe no. Biden has picked Kamala Harris. Oh, man. Really? Yep. I was right. Well, I mean, he threw us for a curve with the speaking lineup, but uh, I did call Kamala on Means Morning News a few weeks ago. I just lost some money unpredicted. I'll just say that much. I, I told you to sell earlier We're have today. A cop you did tell me to sell. You did. But I was thinking it was uh, things were looking good. Kid saw dollar signs in his eyes. Uh, Chip, do you have any thoughts on uh, the breaking news on Kamala Harris being the pick? Kamala Harris is a top cop, right? You know, that's what we need is a tough prosecutor to prosecute the case against Donald Trump. It's just, just, just what we need in the midst of a nationwide uprising against police brutality, white supremacy. What we really need is a former prosecutor with a her- horrific record on criminal justice issues when she was a prosecutor to to be vice president. I think that's really exciting. I think it shows really great foresight. The only thing I could think of that would be even, you know, more wise for Biden to have done would be in the midst of a reckoning with our failed foreign policy to have uh, appointed a longtime fixture of the national security state like Susan Rice to be his vice president. What a smart man. I can see that. Well, Chip, uh, you and I will be two voters for Howie Hawkins, the Green Party candidate. And uh, I am looking forward to not giving the Democratic Party my vote. Yeah, it's it's just it's just way to show parts of your base. You have contempt for them. Right. I mean, it's just, you know, Karen Bass, she's not a socialist. She had a very interesting record. She began not as a top cop, but as a community organizer, focusing on gang violence and the crack epidemic in her community. But she did so from an approach that was also critical of policing and draconian sentencing as a solution to what she saw as a public health problem. She was an emergency room uh, physician's assistant before this and witnessed firsthand. She opposed the 94 crime bill. Uh, she's been continuously critical of Christopher or questioning of Christopher Ray, the FBI director, when he's come before the Judiciary Committee asking him about the black identity extremism assessment, asking him about the FBI's surveillance of black activists. She's the only person on that committee who is doing any actual oversight of the FBI. You know, once again, you know, not endorsing a vice president's pick or, or Biden, but, you know, There's a lot of good reason for Biden to have picked Bass uh, as a unity candidate. And, you know, she did support, she does support Medicare for all. She does support the Green New Deal. She's done some interesting things with Palestine. I mean, you know, not great. She's an elected Democrat, but, you know, for that standard, fairly interesting. And, 
no, she eulogized a communist and visited Cuba. So we have a top cop. Just uh, confirms my suspicions that uh, the Kamala camp, the K-Hive, was behind all the oppo oppo dumps on bass and it worked i'm just gonna yeah I i'm taking that no, i'm taking that no to heart i don't gunner, care but that is my unfounded suspicion as well just monitoring the way people in the quote-unquote k-hive which you know has never gotten the bernie bro type article about it yet were reacting to news that karen bass was a communist uh including with like kamala harris memes or gifts or whatever they're called i, I don't i don't i don't know i don't really understand the internet. Um, yeah, it just it seems like they were certainly part of this. Well, uh, well, considering forward. how Harris's uh, presidential campaign went, it seems like she's going to be a much more of a liability than Karen Bass and uh, her eulogizing communists and trips to Cuba uh, ever I mean, would she'll be. She'll probably do a better job debating Mike Pence than Tim Kaine did. Right. You know. That's not hard. But no, then again, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean yeah, I, yeah. I, I just thinking I back on Harris's uh, debate bars, performances, they were they them. were pretty wince inducing. Yeah. So there we go. Well, Trump, Trump has built up the uh, DHS so that uh, Kamala Harris can come in and take it over and fill it with K-Hive operatives to. Uh, unleash an orgy of violence against Bernie bros uh, and the fallout from the 2020 Dem primary. I, uh, I'm scared. Clearly you guys aren't scared at all. Chip, when you're not doing chip chat, you are the policy director over at defending rights and dissent and also a podcast host of still spying. Still spying. We have an official website for it now. Still spying.org. Uh, on Monday, our long-awaited interview of Jeffrey Haas uh, debuted. He knew Fred Hampton in life. He recounts getting in the interview the night he got a knock at his door from his law partner telling him they've killed the chairman, and he lays out the case for why we should think of Hampton's uh, murder by the Chicago police as an FBI political assassination. I find it very compelling. Uh, it's a limited podcast series. It's scheduled to go into November. And we have more great things to come. Please check out stillspine.org. And that podcast is, of course, presented by Defending Rights and Dissent, which has been fighting the FBI since 1960. Chip Gibbons, thanks so much for doing this. Thank you for having me.